In last month's Google I.O. keynote, the word AI echoed more than 140 times, setting the stage for the same level of emphasis and excitement that carried over to this year's Google Marketing Live. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we firmly believe that law firms must maintain their brand control before AI reshapes their very identity. So, you know, as I was mentioning before we got on, um, I'm actually going to be at a conference next week in um, in Chicago. Um, it's the Vista Consulting Conference. I'll be speaking on Thursday uh, on how to run a remote law firm, which is, you know, something I've been doing for quite a while now. So it'll be a, a, a nice conversation with the people that are there. It's a law firm leadership conference. So it's to teach others and other law firms how to do things that we do um, on a daily basis. That's amazing, Grace. And obviously, you know, at this point, you are a very seasoned speaker when it comes down to this particular topic as well. And for people who may be interested of learning more about Vista or attending this event, is this open to the public? Is this close to a mastermind? What, 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 uh, what can you tell us about that? So it's open to um, any law firms or really anybody that would want to attend, but obviously primarily law firms because that's what it's about. Um, and it's law firm leadership. So you can register to attend um, still um, through, I think, up until a day of. All right. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure that we put the link to the event on the episode notes. And congrats again on another speaking engagement. Now, Grace, let's, ju- let's jump right into our conversation. And today we're going to start with a little bit of more Google updates. And this time, one thing that, a li- I mean, I wouldn't say flew under our radar, but we just did not allocate time to have a thorough conversation about is um, Google Marketing Life, which as everybody knows, uh, or in case you don't know, Google Marketing Life is the one event a year where Google really makes the biggest and most meaningful announcements when it comes down to what's coming up to Google Ads. Now, why I am saying that it flew under the radar? Well, because right a week before Google Marketing Life took place is when um, Google made the announcement at a different event, at a different conference of their revamped version of uh, BARD. And obviously that kind of like stole everyone's attention. And so less attention went into Google Ads, but I must say something. Um, Google Ads or Google Marketing Live was no stranger for the artificial intelligence topic. It was really all about that. And, you know, one thing that I, 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 it feels kind of like we've developed um, some sort of 
resistance and maybe even some negative connotation with the term automation, especially when it comes down to uh, paid campaigns, particularly in Google Ads, because in a way or another, they have kind of like predisposed us to think of spam in a way or another, right? Like something that is not very well managed or highly relevant to the advertiser. And I think a little bit, part of what we know as automation is now being shifted into the term of artificial intelligence, which is way sexier and it has everyone way more excited. In most areas, there's some level of concern about artificial intelligence, right? Will, will it be good? Will it not be good? Surprisingly, when it comes down to the ad space, there's a lot of excitement about it, right? I think the idea, the notion for people not having to ever have to write ad copy again um, excites them. The idea of them to be able to create through AI the images for their products, for those who are doing retail and shopping, is very, very compelling. It's very appealing. But I think in this conversation, we're going to look at both, right? The, the sexy stuff, but also what's really at stake. But before we do that, Grace, you know, what are your thoughts in all this matter? So you're right. I mean, I'd say it's almost split down the middle. Right. In terms of the reaction to AI, um, even just yesterday, I saw on the news where they were talking about, you know, should we stop all AI? Obviously, that's not something that's going to happen. And I mean, I personally don't think that could happen anytime soon. If ever, you can't stop progress, uh, especially once it's out of the box. Right. Um, however, what I saw was that, you know, the fear of artificial intelligence, almost like the Terminator uh, movie type of feeling that I was getting from the news, but there was another point within that that they were making that I thought was very good as well, which was, you know, we can't stop progress. Um, we do need to manage it, right, when it comes to how it could potentially harm or hurt others or, you know, uh, with fake stuff going out there, right, or fake um uh, voices that people are thinking their children are hurt. That was actually the example that was used in the uh, news art uh, thing that was on TV. And so I, I do find, I personally, you know how I feel about automation, AI, all of that. I love it. I think that it's here to help, um, but it can, of course, hurt. So I feel like, you know, as long as it's regulated in terms of a standardized way of interacting with people's data, Right back to that privacy requirement, I think that will people will accept it a lot easier when they understand it better. Because most of us don't like things we don't understand, and we almost immediately reject things that we don't understand. So I think as part of it, it's the understanding of what AI truly is, how it can help, but also how it can hurt and how to standardize that whole concept. I think as time goes on, it's just going to get better and better and people are going to be more accepting of how AI can help. Yeah. And this is a very important point that you were saying. And I think that's why a lot of uh, bells are being uh, ranged over the past few months is that um, AI is going to be good for as long as we are using it for good things, right? And that is why to regulate AI to an extent is being called on. 
And I think it is important that it happens. Obviously, other nations, particularly in Europe, they're taking a more proactive approach towards that. United States historically has been a little bit more hands-off when it comes down to regulating technology as a whole. But I think, you know, as you've said, while we do not expect or anticipate for a freeze in development for six months, because it's also how are you to control something like that, some level of regulation um, is going to have to come into play. And that's really what's going to allow us to continue using all of these models for great use and at the same time, you know, protect the integrity of humanity. So, Grace, why I think it's really, really interesting, right? So Google's already been, as we've mentioned, transitioning into automation in Google Ads a lot, but that's primarily been on the targeting, right? So who's actually seeing your ads? That's what's been automated. Now, what's kind of like new and what's been heavily announced during Google Marketing Live 2023 is the uh, availability of tools that some of them are already in beta. Some of them are going to be released over the next few months to the general market that basically allow you to not have to write copy, right? Just basically let Google decide what your ad copy is going to be. But not just that, then Google will also decide, depending on the search query of the user, what exactly your copy is going to be like. It's going to be shaping it almost kind of like in real time so that it can be highly relevant. And that is exciting. And I understand why people would say, like, why would I have something against it? So um, there's a few things here to take into consideration. And I think the most obvious here is that, particularly in a competitive space like it is the legal industry, how are you going to stand out from the competition? How is Google going to make your ad different enough from the other advertisers that are also going to be ranking right next to you, above or below you, who's controlling that? How are you standing out from your competitors? Right now, you have a lot of control over it because you're in charge of your creative work. You're in charge of your messaging. You're in charge of the branding part of it, right? So how is it going to be that Google's going to be able to create all of these different ads and make them different in a way that you wanted it to be different, right? The other thing here that we also need to take into consideration is, and this is based on also what we've discussed in our last conversation, is that CTRs has gone up. Users are now more accepting of ads. They're clicking on them more. And also because Google is making them more compelling with all of these different assets that are being shown in them. So I do think, though, for the creation of assets, call-outs, the way that it positioned images, the way that it positioned call now assets, I think that's wonderful. And I can certainly see a lot of benefit in there. I am a little bit skeptical, not about Google's ability to create copy, but how is it actually going to make you stand out from the competitors? How, how are you going to have any control over your branding and your value proposition and such? And... We understand that the way that Google usually goes about it is like, of course, kind of like you set up what's the, what, you know, what's the, what's the target, what's the high intent keywords, and then kind of like what's the website, and then Google goes, picks and chooses, and, and kind of like analyzes that and creates uh, a content and, a, and, and, and copy based on that. But the reality here, Grace, come on, let's be honest, all of the law firm's websites are exactly the same. They're exactly the same. I mean, there's like literally 10 agencies in the United States that do consumer-focused law firms' websites, and they're all based on, on almost 
the same templates. So I think this is the time, this is a time when we're, where two things are going to have to happen that are going to be extremely important. Number one, start building very strong brands around the attorney of the firm, not the law firm, but the actual attorney, right? That's going to be super important. And a lot of firms are already doing it, right? Alexander Sonara comes to mind. It's all about him. And he's actually started diversification through promoting other team members inside his organization and let them have their own brand. So that I think it's a great way of standing out and being known, not by the name of the firm, but actually you as an individual. And that by itself, that's going to make it stand out because when you're promoting the person and not the company, then you are automatically setting up some differentiation there. So that's one thing I think is going to be very important. The other one is I think law firms are going to have to just kind of like raise the bar when it comes down to really making their websites unique and experience driven. So far, we've been very focused on content, but experience is very important. How our users are going to interact with it? How are they going to be able to get information out of it is going to be I believe as equally as important as the content that's inside the website. And we know now with this new trend of kind of like search everywhere or anywhere, the users are now not just going to Google to find answers, right? We've, we've seen that Gen Z is actually opting for using platforms like TikTok or Instagram for particular queries. And so I think it's very important, particularly for Google, to continue providing a relevant experience such as the one that users are getting in these other platforms inside its platform. And that's why I think that personal brand is going to be something that's going to make Google want to play favorites when it comes down to organic rankings. But I also think in somewhere or another, it's going to definitely differentiate advertisers on the ad section. What are your thoughts? So the, what I think about that is, is, is it's spot on, honestly, because when it comes to creativity, it is novel content. And what AI is proposing is taking everyone's content and mishmashing it together to create something new that is not truly new, right? So uh, it, people are going to stand out with being themselves, the authenticity, story, the persons, who they are, their brand, people sell people. And people buy from people. They don't buy organizations. They don't buy brands per se, at least not when it comes to law firms in particular. I mean, yes, you can buy the brand Coca-Cola. There is no name behind Coca-Cola. People love Coca-Cola, but this is a person. This is a service that we provide, right, as a lawyer. So thought leadership and branding and all of that is going to become even more important because everyone else looks the same. So how do I stand out? I need to be different. I need to brand myself. I need to be me and the authenticity will come through. And so everyone else that's doing the same thing as everyone else is going to fall in line behind everyone else, right? You're going to look like one of the, uh, it's an old game that used to be out there called the lemmings where they would just follow each other and the whole path of them would go off the mountain, the same, just like everyone else. You'll be doing the same thing. You'll be going off that mountain if you don't use AI for what it is, which is to help you create not to do it for you. And I think that, that that phrase right there, help you create, not do it for you, is probably the crux of the matter when it comes to AI as a whole. 
because I constantly look at different systems, particularly when it comes to AI, and I see what it can provide, right? I try out BARD, I try out, um, you know, ChatGPT, uh, I tried it when it was four, I have it now five. So I try everything to see what it spits out, quote unquote, meaning like, what is it that it gives me in terms of content and where it pulls from, including the resources that it uses. And then I reformat the entire thing. Sometimes completely, sometimes I use bits and pieces. Sometimes I use almost the entire thing, but then reword it so differently that it's now my own, right? But that is what has to be done. Every time that you touch AI, that you use the content that's being created from there, it has to be individualized. Or if you don't use it, you can create your own authentic story. You know, it, it, it is just a tool. It is not to be the end all and be all ever. It should never be. Yeah, I actually like a lot of the example that you gave there. Well, kind of like using Coca-Cola, right, as a, as a brand, as an example, because I think it's a good example of, of, of a brand that actually sells more kind of like a, a mindset, a set of values, not so much the product itself. And so people generate some sort of brand affinity and it's... Uh, you know, drinking Coca-Cola, it's not just kind of like something that you do nowadays for a taste, but you also do it because it gives you some sense of belonging, right? Everything that they've, you know, all the messaging and all of the wonderful campaigns that they've generated around friendship, around belonging, around, um, you know, joyful moments is what people, you know, hold or cherish a lot about the brand. And, and, I, and, and I think, you know, it's, it's really important for us to think about that, particularly as law firms, because people do not need lawyers every single day of their lives or normal people, you know, regular consumers do not, they are not in need of lawyers every single day of their lives. Um, and so you're not marketing to people that are going to call you right now. You're marketing to people that maybe someday they'll need you, but you need them to start liking your brands from today, right? And start generating some, some level of connection your brand and that's kind of like what the goal is here and what you're saying here is that you're not gonna do that by just talking about your law firm as a corporation that's not very personalized per se but when you are doing it as a person and when you're doing it through actions and and, and you know showing and talking and being part of a community then it becomes different because now you know People are liking the firm not just because of the results they generate, but they're liking the firm also because they are aligned with their own set of values. So I think that's very important. And when you're relegating your creative work to AI, well, you want AI to know all of that about you and your brand so that they can actually use that in the way that they're going to be marketing to you. Because ultimately, AI needs to be taught. And if they have nothing where to pull info from, then your copy and your creative is going to look very stale. Now, Grace, you know, that's that. And so Google Marketing Live was 2023. You know, we're not going to get really here in depth as to what particularly are the new tools that are going to come. But the, the, the bigger picture is um, hold tight because Google is now going to start creating uh, through AI your copy. Okay. Now, they've already released and started testing this out with no surprise through Performance Max, the ability of creating some of your uh, uh, copy and creative through uh, AI. And so, you know, Performance Max historically has not been kind of like the best 
strategy for generating very efficient results for law firms, but it's certainly a campaign that is important for local visibility. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what results play out, but it's the same thing here. Uh, marketeers are, you know, as much as they want to use and, and, and be able to leverage AI, uh, they are to a certain extent a little bit skeptical about, hey, you know, how do I know my, you know, the images that are going to be used on my creatives are going to be different enough from the competitors, right? So that's um, important to, to mention. It's already there and it's being tested. Now, one, one area where I actually think it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, so Google also announced recently the search generative experience, which basically in the same search results page where Google provides you all of your organic listings and the ads and all of that good stuff. Now, Google is also creating a blog that actually shows at the very, very top of the search results page where through using AI, it kind of like gathers information from different sources and give you a good summary with media, like pictures, reviews and stuff that relates specifically to the search query that you've put up. Now you may be wondering, well, what type of search queries could trigger this? Because not all search queries are actually uh, creating this section of generative experience. Well, it actually happens to be that a lot of queries that have to do with destinations and queries that have to do with places and as places are businesses. So if someone were to share, to search, for instance, a particular query about a law firm or about a lawyer, this could actually come through. This, this blog could show up providing that Google has enough information to actually generate this blog. And one of the areas or one of the places where Google has recently started gathering information from to create this block is Google Business Profile. And I think this is gonna be very, very, very powerful for law firms when it comes down to the branded search queries that users make. Because this actually is gonna allow them to A, number one, show up on the very top of the page, potentially and hopefully eliminating ads that are now kind of like targeting branded search terms from a different firm, uh, especially lead generation companies and such that have been getting away with it for, for, for a very long time. And it's been very lucrative for them. Well, I think this could be a great way of actually giving users so much information about a lawyer, about a law firm in a way that it's very easy to digest. Now, what's the caveat here? Well, you need to have an amazing Google business profile, right? You need to have reviews. You need to have pictures that are original, that are authentic, that are not available anywhere else online, that are from your firm. You need to have great descriptions about your services, your products. Like all of that needs to be well optimized so that Google actually can show that. So I think this is a tremendous opportunity. I see a lot of potential in these for firms when it comes down to um, gaining even more visibility, more prominence on the search results page when it comes down to branded search queries. I'm excited about it personally. I always think that the GBP, you know, the Google business profile is underutilized by a lot of law firms and really businesses in general, honestly, because there's a lot of things that you can leverage on there that 
Google wants you to, right? Because it's their platform. So obviously they, they will reward those who provide content to their business profile and in turn serve that up to other people because you are spending time making sure that your information is up to date, current, you have your holidays, you have whatever, right? And then of course that, that very last component where they allow you to message the business from the profile, you know, those are one of the things that I think a lot of people may have missed and haven't turned on, right? And that's that's another way to get people to communicate with you. And it's another way for Google to see that you are communicative. Um, obviously, if you can't manage to respond in a timely fashion, I would not even turn it on because they will and can remove it from your access if you don't respond in a timely fashion, just so everybody knows when it comes to the messenger when it, on Google business profile. And they state that. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And that because of that same mindset and mentality is that, you know, it's equally important that you respond to questions that you may get on your profile, believe it or not, people can just come there and write questions. Um, and also reviews, right? Because Google is getting all of these cues about how active are you there in your Google business profile? Are you actually listening to what people inside of Google are saying and asking about you? And then obviously uh, that's why also the social posts or the Google posts that you can put inside the profile are valuable because they send that same level of signals to Google that say, we're paying attention, we're actually working here. So Grace, these are some interesting uh, updates in Google. And as always, you know, we're going to be alert. We're going to be playing around with these things and seeing what actually gets out of this. But I know that uh, equally in the master space, there's been some news and development. And we'd love to hear what's been going on in that area. All right. So we actually do have something of a, an update on the talc situation. Um, as a matter of fact, Today, there's going to be another update. Um, so on our next call or the one after that, I will definitely provide even more updates. So Talc, um, I'm going to go and say a little bit of the legalese and then explain obviously what that means. The Third Circuit denied the petition for what's called a writ of mandamus um, regarding the injunction in the MDL. But the positive thing is, even though it was denied, um, two of the judges on the panel were part of the decision to dismiss the bankruptcy. So that's a good sign for the Talc um, situation, right? Where it went into bankruptcy, they tried to do the Texas two-step, and then you know they dismissed the bankruptcy. So it, we do have hope in terms of the Talc uh, cases at some point starting up again. Um, at the moment, though, we cannot file new cases still. Um, the injunction in the MDL is in effect until June 15th. And so it could be extended or lifted after the uh, May 22nd hearing. This uh, update was from May 15th. Um, so one tell case right now is going forward in state court. Trial started um, and jury selection is underway. The plan for the MDL. It came out in May 15th. Um, it's like 400 pages. So obviously, you know, people are still, leadership is still reviewing it, digesting it, trying to get through it. Um, out of that whole document, um, the good news is that the judge has encouraged the TCC to move forward uh, for no exclusivity, 
and to file its own plan. So they're asking everybody to basically get involved and file their own plans for moving forward so the judges can make that decision, right, whether they're going to choose one plan or another. So the they were trying to avoid the original agreement, basically, with Tauk, and so Tauk could just siphon off everything having to do with Tauk. Uh, Johnson & Johnson could siphon off everything having to do with Tauk, stick it in this LTL, LTL company, and then bankrupt it, right? That's the whole point of what they were trying to do. And so now there's still a back and forth during this process where they appealed immediately the same day that the uh, dismissal happened. So it went back into bankruptcy court. Now it's going back out to the MDL, and now we're in a holding pattern. Once these two plans kind of come together, um, the idea is that the plan will resolve Talc forever, right? That once this plan comes out and they decide what's going to happen with these cases and how it's going to move forward, it will be for the life of Talc, right? So no more cases can ever come back. And it's supposed to include all uh, GYN cancers, gynecological cancers, not just the ones supported by science. So this is going to potentially open up a whole other group of cases because um, a lot of the criteria was specifically for ovarian and fallopian cancer, and they weren't accepting certain endometrial cancers or uterine cancers. So it sounds like they're opening it up to more cancers potentially as part of this plan. I'm assuming because this campaign has been going for a very, very long time, the databases on these are tremendous. And so... I think this is when a lot of data mining needs to start taking place, right? If you have been completing and gathering proper information from your potential leads and not just dismissing them out as if you were uh, pizza order taking, you should potentially be able to revisit some potential leads that at some point got denied for a lack of better word or have been put on hold. and. I mean, as, as you said, it's a matter of a little bit wait and see right now, but uh, things are evolving right now. It is, and significantly, because the, so they did provide, LTL provided a matrix, which is how most of these settlement plans kind of come together, where they say, if you had this diagnosis and were this age, and, you know, you had this cancer uh, for this long, you used the product for this long, that's a matrix of settlement value, and what they provided was point values. However, there are tons of reductions, and of course, they don't want to pay. Very, they don't want to pay anything, right? And it comes out to like fifty cents to two dollars a point for these values that they're providing, and there's almost no basis for fact in the what they provided. It's just basically them trying to throw it out there, just like they did with the talc, you know. Texas two-step situation and bankruptcy, they're just throwing it out there, seeing if someone's going to bite. So yeah. at this point, you know, clients will not be paid until the last non-appealable order is entered. They are making this so difficult for the tout claimants. And I believe this is unfortunate, but I believe that a lot of times what they do with this is they let the litigation go on for so long in the hopes that people pass away from these cancers and they don't have to pay them out because they're past the wrongful death and you can't get any more information from these people or their next of kin. It's a pretty bad situation for the tout claimants because a lot of these have been holding on for almost 10 years in some cases. So it's, it's a really 
ugly thing, but at the, we do have some hope. And uh, my understanding is today, um, June 15th, there's going to be another um, conversation um, about the May 22nd hearing. So uh, hopefully I have better news and more news for you the next time we speak about talc. But that is the current status of the talc. Yeah, Grace, please do keep us up to date. Now, I know you brought up earplugs in a very, very long time here in this podcast. So what's going on there? Yep, I do have some news on earplugs finally. So um, the bankruptcy petition was dismissed. Uh, we kind of thought that might happen. Um, you know, they, Arrow was trying to do the same thing that um, Johnson & Johnson did by doing the LTL and just tried it out. They're like, hey, can we bankrupt everything that had to do with 3M? please. It didn't work. So um, the litigation will be moving forward. And the MDL judge, the multi-district litigation judge, recently issued a remand order. So when they do that, they usually expect that she'll quickly lift the stay that is currently placed on the MDL because of the uh, bankruptcy um, petition. And what is going to happen rules on outstanding motions in discovery wave cases, which were those initial cases that were kind of filed within the 3M docket, um, and start remanding to local jurisdictions for trial. So she'll start sending them where they belong um, and get it started. It, It puts a lot of pressure on 3M to get it settled because trials will start, right? So they'll have to come to court. They'll have to start paying attention to what's going on. Um, basically letting them know that their bankruptcy meant nothing and that it's not going to fly at this point. So 3M does have the option to appeal, of course, just like uh, LTL did it, right, in the same day. Uh, 3M has not, Arrow has not done that. So at the moment, we are still looking to see if they may appeal, they might not appeal, most likely will appeal um, and stall a little bit longer. But with that dismissal of the petition, pretty pretty clear that they're not going to be able to get away with what did happen and they do it sounds like they may be the ones accountable and responsible in the end and so 3m better get on it if you haven't already it sounds like it's gonna start pushing to the end for settlement which means people need to have all of their documents in order everything needs to be put together properly all the documents census forms any forms that you need you should already have them. Um, if not, you better get to it because it sounds like it's going to start moving again very soon. Yeah, such a good reminder about how long, complex, and up to a certain extent, unpredictable uh, the journey of masters can be. And, you know, it's interesting that you said, you know, get on it for as long as i've been hearing about masters and trees been there right and that's many years now so it's it's just kind of like comes to show you how the cycle doesn't necessarily end and i think you know you can say that for hernia mesh you can say that for roundup you can say that for other masters that have been around for a while and, and you're still going through this roller coaster for, for lack of a better term. Grace, thank you so much. These are great updates. I appreciate your insights as well on everything with Google Ads. Now I'd love to hear what are your takeaways? Um, embrace AI 
as far as it can take you and leave it behind for anything you don't need. I think that's my first takeaway. Yeah, yeah, use it, use it to your advantage, right? I think it is no mystery now that it can be very powerful. It can really, really make you way more efficient. It could actually help you get rid of doing or working on things that you don't necessarily love. Um, and be careful, right? I think over these last couple of weeks, this whole story of the of the of the attorney quoting BS from <laughs> from ChatGPT uh, on a hearing or a trial came up. So you know, I mean, don't don't go to that extent. Uh, of course, you don't need us to say that. Um, but apparently, some still need to be reminded not to trust everything that ChatGPT spits out to you. But a hundred percent, you know, it's such a powerful tool. Use it to your advantage. I think when it comes down to, to your marketing, you know, have enough clarity about your brand, have enough clarity about how you stand out so that until you're not 100% clear that AI is doing a tremendous job in portraying your way, your firm, your brand in a way that you wanted it to be perceived by your market, you can still have full control over that. And it's not something that you struggle with. So I would say that when it comes down to jumping into the bandwagon of just becoming 100% hands-off with everything that has to do with the creative of your Google Ads campaigns because at the end of the day, you still need to be standing out. And as much as we would like to think that AI cares a lot about you, nobody cares as much about you as you do. So yeah, keep that in mind. What is your final takeaway, Grace? Number three. Um. Leverage your Google business profile. I think that is a super underutilized tool that could be really, really helpful and really expose you to people that may not have been exposed before if you really fill it out, right? I mean, it's just like any other profile out there, but it's Google. So if you haven't leveraged it for listing of all your services, your hours, your holidays, posting pictures, updates, letting people know that you exist through Google business profile, use it, do it now, like today, because it, it, it's, it's such a great asset and tool that I think people just forget. They forget about it. You know, they only remember that, that it's there for reviews. They only look at it for, you know, making sure their star rating is nice. It, there's so much more to it. Use it. Uh, blow it up, do everything you got to do to it, but really, really use your Google business profile because it's part of Google and that's where we all need. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Grace, um, just as we were having a conversation here internally at the agency about the risks of over-optimizing your Google business profile, which is a whole different conversation, but I think very few firms really have to worry about that. Most of them are not even close to that level. And as we've mentioned, yeah, you're 100%. It's not just because of your local visibility that Google Business Profile is a tremendous and very valuable asset for you, but it's also because it actually is from where Google is going to be basically harvesting all of the information that they're going to use to create all of this interactive and more experience-friendly content about you. So, you know, you want to be able to leverage things like the search generative experience, make sure that Google has information about you that it can use to create that. All right. Well, Grace, 
with that being said, thanks again for another great conversation, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Leah. All right, take care. Bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.